air, so we're grateful to God for that, so we're, we're, we're excited. If you have your Bibles, open up to Galatians chapter 5. Today we are going to be continuing our series on authentic living. Authentic living, spirit-empowered character. And we're going to pick back up in the order last week Brandon spoke on faithfulness. And this week, as I've been studying on the issue of patience, since this is the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to be looking at today, it's one of those things where you never pray and ask God for patience, right? Because He will certainly give it to you. But in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 13. Because when we live authentically, we should be living in freedom. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom to walk in holiness. Freedom to live authentically and apply these fruits of the Spirit in our life. The Apostle Paul writes to the Galatian church, but he is also writing to you and me because he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is a timeless word even for us. He says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of, ra- uh, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these, as I warned you or warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now go with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. We're going to look at verses 8 through 10. says this, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, 
and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And then a verse that just constantly has been affecting me this week. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Aren't you grateful? Nor repay us according to our iniquities. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I ask, O oh God, that you would come and manifest yourself now. Holy Spirit, come and teach us. Teach us to walk authentically. Teach us to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I have had a very difficult week preparing for this message, not because of lack of content, uh, but because I have wrestled with, uh, Kay has asked me, as she always does, how is it going this week? And I told her it's, it's going, but it's not going. It's going because I have been affected because I'm trying to communicate. Here, here's the challenge that I have, and in many ways that's a challenge that whoever speaks has the challenge every week, uh, but in particular with this topic of patience. How can we, other than by the Spirit of God, it has to be the Spirit of God, of course, but how can I communicate the patience of an infinite God to finite people like us, right? I mean, I have wrestled with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture about God's patience and what it has done to me is it helps me to see my inadequacies first and foremost. And what has made me see is the overwhelming grace of God that he did not deal with me like I was supposed to be dealt with. How can we and how can I accomplish and communicate effectively the infinite patience the slow to anger, as it says in the Hebrew, that God is slow to anger. How can I communicate this type of patience to finite people like us to, for me to be able to comprehend it, to say, Lord, this is overwhelming. I cannot describe what I'm experiencing. <laughs> because of what type of patience he has for us. I mean, I have been undone this week. It has been difficult. I'm trying to say, okay, yeah, God is patient so that we can be patient. And then I just say, no, 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 Phil, do you understand? And I see, I mean, I felt like God just just began to all this week. I mean, I mean, you guys are going to get 45 minutes of up 20 plus hours of me wrestling with God in these passages. And him just coming in and me being effective as I've read over and over. I mean, we're going to go through a, a whole gamut of, of scriptures today. And what happens is, is it, it, I, I'm afraid 
I'm afraid that we're just going to go through it. And that, and it's going to be like, yeah, I got my hour in at church, my two hours in, and now let me go out. And we miss the magnitude of what the Word of God is. We miss the magnitude of the great God that we serve, and we miss the magnitude of his patience. Do you know that God's patience is nothing like ours? <laughs> and I have just been wrestling, wrestling with it, and I'm just and I'm trying to I'm trying to put it in an orderly fashion, and I'm trying to do this, and, and I mean I'm wrestling in a case like what's up, and I'm just saying, baby, I, I do got to pray for me. I just don't know where to. Be- I know where to begin, but, but man, once you just when you talk when we talk about what God is like, mm, how can I even think that somehow the the limited, minimal, minimal, tiny bit of patience that I have is somehow even close to what He is? It just has been one of these things that I've just said, oh, Lord, help me. Help me communicate this. So that has been my issue. This has been my, and this is today, my feeble attempt to teach you and to try to bring some type of understanding of the patience of God. And let me tell you, it is going to be a feeble attempt Because there's no way that I'm going to be able to communicate effectively. And I would encourage you to study on your own these passages that we're going to go over. But study patience. Not for you. It is is for you. But to see how patient God has been with you and me. As Psalm 108 says, the Lord is slow to anger. It's powerful. So in my study, in my processes, I, I, I always remember of, of patience because if anybody, you know, we always joke about, like I did, early, said earlier, I didn't pray for patience or God give me patience because he's going to certainly bring some type of calamity in my life to help me bring about patience in my life. But I see the effects of that. And we know that, quote, patience is a virtue. But, but I found this little poem that I absolutely love. And it says this, patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman and never in a man. <laughs> And I have felt that, that at times that, yes, my wife has, if anyone has been patient out of our relationship, it is certainly my wife. And I find it seldom in a woman, but it is never in a man. How true that is for us. But really my focus point for us today is certainly this. God is patient so that through the Spirit... We can be patient toward others and in life. Through the Spirit, we can be patient toward others and in life. But God is patient. It's really the first point that we want to look at, or really, before we even get into this, I want to define for us the Hebrew and the Greek words for patience because 
they share such an impact and have such an impact on the different scriptures that we're going to be reading today. And so this first idea of patience being defined, we see that the three most frequently translated words in the New Testament in particular for patience is long-suffering. Long-suffering is a difficult word. I mean, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to suffer long. That's what long-suffering is. It's just suffering long. Endurance and perseverance. These three words, another word you can throw in there because it's used many times as well, is the word steadfast. That is steadfast love of the Lord or the steadfast, uh, it's going to work steadfastness in you. But in particular, in the Hebrew, when we look at these words, here it is in the Hebrew and the Greek. Here, this Hebrew word, it just means simply, whoop, it just means simply right here, slow to anger. Slow to anger. That's how patience is described about God in the Old Testament. He is slow to anger. And then when the when they were trans, transcribing the Old Testament into the New Testament and the, what is called the Septuagint, and they're putting it into the Septuagint, they took this term, slow to anger, they took that term, slow to anger, and then gave it this Greek word here, which means simply, there's two Greek words that mean patience in the Bible. This Greek word here, and then this one here. One The first one here is described patience in respect to persons. So how I relate to you. I'm to be patient with you. The second word in the Greek is something that the apostles came up with. And it is this word here. And that is mean how we endure things. How we endure tribulation. How we endure trials. Those type of things. So the first word, which means slow to anger, which is what the the writers translating it from Hebrew to Greek came up in the same word slow to anger as the word patience there in the Greek. That's how we relate to others. So God is slow to anger with us. So we are to be slow to anger with others, are patient with others. So the Greek writers didn't use slow to anger. They just used the Greek word patience. So as you read that in the New Testament, you're going to read it as patience. You're going to read it as long-suffering, endurance, perseverance, steadfastness. All these terms describe the word patience being used. In the New Testament, all four of those words are really these two Greek words right here. But then when you read it, like in James, consider pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, for you know that this will work steadfastness, patience, perseverance. That is the second Greek word because it's dealing with things when we look at it. But the first, even though those words are similar, they have their distinctives in the Greek here with that. And you can see that the first Greek word is related to love. It's how we are to be toward each other. Patience when it comes to being slow to anger and dealing with persons, is related to love. The way that I'm to love you. Patience is a, is a subset of love. 
If I'm being patient with you, if I'm being long-suffering with you, it is a demonstration of love being communicated to me. God, in his patience toward us, in his slowness to anger toward us, is what? He is showing, it is a manifestation of his, the love that he has for us. And then the second word is related to hope. Because remember, the second word in the Greek, the ones that is not that the apostles came up with, is related to how we handle trials and tribulations. So therefore, that is related to hope. The hope that we have. We know that God's going to get us through this. We know that we're going to be able to overcome all these trials and tribulations that we have. It is not related toward people. It's related to things and circumstances. So God is going to work patience in our life through those trials, those tribulations. He's going to work long-suffering, patience, endurance, steadfastness in us. We're going to see that. So really, you can understand these words even in a, in a, in a greater context when you look at their opposites. So the word hopamim means cowardice or despondency. That's the opposite of the hope that you have. There's a cowardice to it, or you're despondent, you're depressed over what you're facing, what you're going through. Whereas the other word, the opposite of the word is wrath or revenge. Revenge. You want to strike out against somebody. You don't want to be patient toward them or slow to anger toward that individual. It's got wrath or revenge attached to it. And so you see this. And this is how we can be. God is being slow. God is patience with this the second point on this and that God is patient the God in the Old Testament is shown this way that the Bible describes the patience of God in the Old Testament as being slow to anger as I mentioned earlier this characteristic of patience is seen in his love displayed toward us. But it is in his very nature. It's in his nature of who he is, of who God is. Because if God is love, then certainly patience is part of that. Let's look at some scriptures together. Psalm 34, 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. This is when the Lord is coming by. Moses says, let me see you. And the Lord passes Moses. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is who God is. God's describing to Moses who he is as he's passing by and he's declaring to him, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Numbers 4.18. The Lord is slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he, by, but he will by no means clear the guilty. It's showing God's slowness to anger. Slowness to punish. But he will punish one day. He's no way going to clear the guilty. But his love, his patience, his slowness to anger is what we're going to see over and over again. Nehemiah 17, 9, 17 says, But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, 
slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. And then Psalm 103, 8 through 10. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. This is God and who he is. It's of his very nature to be this way. His love has been manifested. His slowness to anger comes as we see that. And then we really can look at this second aspect, which is basically his, his patience toward mankind. Toward us. Look at 2 Peter 3, 8 through 10. It says this. Peter's writing. He says, but do not look, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. I mean, think of that for a moment. That, that's been a verse that, you know, whenever I'm walking through patience, I got, I got to remember a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. So that means this, folks. <laughs> we're in 2019. So we're two days and 15 minutes to God. If you think about it that way. If a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, we are, whoo, the patience of God. Whereas we look at days like, man, I, I'm, I'm just turned 59. I'm sitting here thinking, man, it, time is flying. It is not that way. So he describes it. So do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the Lord, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Patient, again, are slow to anger toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. You see, we see God's patience seen from Psalm 103 by delaying the punishment that we deserved. We see what God is doing. What does this look like in God being patient? And then we have the example of Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus being God displays his patience in two ways. First, he displayed his patience toward people and especially his disciples. I mean, Jesus was patient with them and all of their faults, all of their failings. Jesus prayed to his father that he says, Lord, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture might be fulfilled. Again, Jesus says in John 13, Jesus knew that the hour of time had come to him to leave this world and go to the father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He was patient toward them. He loved them to the end. And then in Jesus Christ, the second way in which patience is most seen is in the cross. The cross 
of Jesus, which is really the ultimate expression and display of patience. Jesus displayed the patience on the cross. Jesus endured the beatings, the cruelty, the injustice of the cross. The patience, the patient suffering of Jesus is an example for us as we endure trials and tribulations, when we go through things in life. Because we have no guarantees in life. And how do we take this God who is slow to anger in every way, who has shown incredible mercy and love to us, And be overwhelmed by that. Look at the quote in your notes or on the screen by David Mathis. He says this, To discover yourself a recipient of Christ's patience is to find yourself loved by God. To know Jesus' patience is to know the very love of God. My prayer is that we just don't know it mentally. My prayer is that we know it internally and in our hearts. Our hearts being our, everything about us, our entire being, our mind, our will, our emotions. Because if you can grasp the, the kind of love that God has for you, the kind of slowness and patience God has bestowed upon you and continues to pour out on you every day, you are going to walk through this life with a different mindset. You're going to be able to walk through anything that you face in this life with a trust in God because you know that his love and his patience is being poured out on you. And that his love and his patience has been manifested in you by saving you. You see, God continues to display his slowness to anger and the very fact that he did not kill us how many times, right? How many times I look back on my life as I'm studying this and I'm seeing that the slowness of God in bringing salvation to me, how God was so slow and patient with me. When I can go back and think of my life and think how many times, A, did God spare me in my own ignorance by driving while I was high by driving when I was tired and I drove home and I think, how did I get here? Anybody ever have those experiences? You know, how, how did I even make it? And, and God's patience and slowness to anger and to continue to be patient with me, 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 and then I get saved. And then all of a sudden it's just like, holy moly, what was it? How did I, I should have died 50 times ago. And he has been patient with me and slow to anger, slow to anger for this time, for this purpose, for me to come to know the Lord. And he's done the same to you. 
My story is your story. That's our story. That's every story in the Bible. God has been slow to anger because he's got a people that he needs to redeem. There are people out in the world today that are going to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ because God is slow to anger. Because you know, I mean, we can all look at it and say, well, man, the judgment of God is coming on America. I mean, you can hear the stories. But thank God he's not like you and me. Thank God that, he's, that there are people out in the world. There are people in your family. There are people in your workplace. There are people out in this world that, that come and cross our paths that God is being slow to anger and wanting them to come to repentance. This is why God is slow. This is why, he, this is why Peter says, okay, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some would count slowness, but he's patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God knows those who are his, and he is being patient. He's being slow to anger. And we're thinking, come on, God, come on. This world needs to be eliminated. I mean, what's happening in our society today, we see it over and over and over. God, they're mocking you. God, it's this, it's this, it's that. God said, no, I'm I'm slow. I'm slow to anger. I'm not like you, Phil. I've got a couple people that I want the Lord to take out, if he would, but that's a different story. But God is not like me. You see, because being much more patient, I, I tend to be the opposite of patience, which is impatient. But look at this last verse on your screen from 1 Timothy 1.16 or in your notes. This is the Apostle Paul, but it applies To you and me as well, look, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. That's you. You can put your name there. But Phil Corson has received mercy for this, that In Phil Corson, as the foremost, as the chief of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. The very reason why I'm here today is to be a display of God's perfect patience for you. To let you see that if God as we talked earlier, can save me and he save you, he can save anyone. We are examples of a display of God's perfect patience. So we can communicate those who may be struggling with their faith and saying that God is patient with them. God loves them. God is slow to anger. He's not going to come and bring the judgment at this time. He's going to be slow to them. He's drawing them. He's reaching out to them. Now, there is going to be that time when, as we saw in Psalm 103, he will not always chide. There will be judgment that will come eventually. But God is slow to anger with that. 
So we see how patience is wrapped up in the slowness of God. We see how patience is seen in God being slow to anger. And again, my prayer is study this. Dive into scripture on this. Let it hit you because now we're going to move into this aspect that where there's this call for you and me to be patient. And if ever there was a fruit in my life that I can attribute to it being all of God and spirit empowered, it is this fruit right here. I, I mean, I can say, yeah, there's an element I have of love, human element I have of love. That, 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 you know, I'll, that, that's easy to do. Oh, joy? Yeah, I, I'm a joyful person. My attitude tends to be a very positive, very upbeat. You know, yeah, okay, I, I got a little joy in me too. Peace? Yeah, I, I can demonstrate peace at different times like that. Patience? Forget about it. There, there's not one ounce of me in me of being patient. Over the years, not only being married, but having children, children are a gift from God to teach you patience. That's, they're there. They're gifts. And, and it's wonderful. And, you know, you just sit there and you're able to, because you're trying to display the love of God and you're trying to be patient with them. But, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, Many of you guys have either coached your child in a sport or you have interacted or seen something and, and you, why can't you get this? How many times are we going over the same routine over and over and over again and you can't get this right? Yes. Impatience can be seen. God gives us children. I think that's, well, no, it's one of the reasons why God gave me five children and four boys and one girl. But the beauty of the work of God in my life, for me to be able to demonstrate some patience toward them, I totally see it as a spirit-empowered character trait. Not any iota of Phil Corson in there. Left to myself, I'm impatient. I want things done yesterday. And in particular, as we will see later, when it comes to patience with God. It's going to be one of the ways we're going to look at because we are called to be patient. And I want to look at four ways that we are called to be patient. First, we're called to be patient within. Because God is patience, through the Holy Spirit, we can grow in our patience. And so we have this call to be patient within. So before we can begin to have patience with others... We must first cultivate patience within us. We have got to let the Holy Spirit work his fruit in us 
so that we can demonstrate it. But before we can ever be patient with us, we must first grow and cultivate. We must apply the gospel of Jesus Christ daily to our lives and allow the Spirit of God to do His work. So yes, we must pray for patience. Because really, if you think about it, what is impatience? Impatience is is simply this. Impatience is nothing more than unbelief in God and his faithfulness. That's what impatience is. That's nothing more than that. It's unbelief in God and his faithfulness. It is not trusting that God is in control and that his timing is always perfect. (laughs) That's my weakness. I'm sorry. I have got to know and grow in patience knowing that God's timing is always perfect. Thomas Watson says this. He wrote a book called A Godly Man's Picture. Thomas Watson is a Puritan writer. He says, pray to God for patience. Patience is a flower of God's planting. Pray that it may grow in your heart and send forth its sweet perfume. That's what we've got to pray for. That's what, love this quote by Thomas Watson. That's what I'm going to start doing. Lord, let the flower of patience grow in my life even more. So that it brings forth a sweet perfume to others. And now I want to look at some scriptures that talk about us growing in patience. First of all, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says this, put on then. So these are characteristics that you and I are to put on. Paul uses this illustration in uh, Colossians 3, and I believe in Ephesians, where he talks about put-on and put-offs. It's like changing garments. The put-off or you're putting off the old nature. The put-ons are you're putting on these new garments. And so Paul's saying, hey, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, And if anyone has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other. Be patient. Put on patience. We're to put this on. Now I wanted to go through Proverbs real quick. And Proverbs is is wisdom literature for you and me on how we are to be. But you'll see here the term slow to anger because we're in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word here talking about being slow to anger is the same term in the New Testament for patience. So Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. Whoever is slow to anger or patient has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger or patient quiets contention. Proverbs 19, 11, or no, no, Proverbs 16, 32, I'm sorry. 
Good sense makes one slow to anger. I think that's my problem right there. I don't have good sense. Good sense makes one slow to anger or patient. It is his glory to overlook an offense. That's what patience does. God is slow to kindness. Oh, did I read the wrong one? I did, didn't I? I didn't read 1632. I read 1911. Here, I told you don't do that. Proverbs 1632. You're probably looking at the screen on your notes saying, what's he reading? Proverbs 1632. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he rules his spirit. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. That's a powerful one there. That's a powerful proverb. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and the one who rules his spirit. That's not out of control. The one who is there, who's patient and is slow to anger. You are more mightier than one who can take a city. And then Proverbs 19, 11, which I already read. Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And then Thomas Kempis, a early church father wrote this, all men commend patience, although few be willing to practice it. So true. Patience and how we can be patient with each other, which leads us to the next thing where Paul is writing. Remember the Greek word here, the one that deals with patience with others. Okay? Related to our patience in respect to other people. So we are to be patient with others. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Have no problem with that. I'll admonish the idle. <laughs> Encourage the faint-hearted. Sure, looks great. I can do that, Paul. Help the weak. Yeah, Paul, I'm there. Be patient with them all. I don't know about that one, Paul. <laughs> Okay, you want me to do what? Now you remember, okay? Remember the, the church of Thessalonica, man. These, these guys were here like, hey, Jesus is coming back. We don't have to work. We don't need to do anything. Let's just sit here and worship Jesus and just wait for him to come because he's coming back. And Paul's like, no, man, you don't work, you don't eat. I mean, that's why they're coming in. They're, just, they're laying it out there. They're just, hey, we got this whole thing right there. And they're, they're just taking it easy. And so that's why Paul says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. I have no problem admonishing the idol, right? Encourage the faint-hearted. Yeah, I want to be encouraging. Help the weak. Yeah, I got you. But be patient with them all. What? Okay, I got you. Here we go, Lord. This is something that you've called me to do. And then 2 Timothy 4, 2, certainly he's talking about those men who are called to, to ministry, but it, it relates to all mankind as well. Be ready in season and out of the season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. With complete patience. This is how we are to do this. We're to encourage each other. We're to exhort each other. We're to admonish each other. We're to reprove each other. We're to rebuke each other. But let's do it in a way that shows patience. Amen? Let's do it in a way that we bring encouragement to others. And when they're not, when somebody's not moving along at your pace, 
of where you think they need to be. Let's be patient with them. Let's show them the patience of God. Let's, yeah, okay, that's right. That's my mom. She's not thinking about me when she says that, by the way. I just want you to know. She's thinking about her grandchildren. Be patient with others. This is what the Lord would have us do. Look at the quote by Jerry Bridges in your notes or on the screen. He says this, Impatience with the shortcoming of others often has its roots in pride. Impatience with the shortcoming of others often has its roots in pride. Our patience toward one another is one of the primary ways which we may maintain unity in the body of Christ and unity in fellowship with one another. Look at Ephesians 4, chapter, one through th- uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is what patience is. It brings out unity. It brings love. It brings purpose. This is why we are to be patient with others. The third thing, the third way in which we are to be patient is in tribulation. In tribulation. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. So, If we know that, and Jesus says this, why are we surprised by it? Every trial, every tribulation has a purpose to it. And we are to find that and to be patient in trial, in tribulation as we walk through it. Look at very familiar verse when you look at uh, James chapter 1. Verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience or endurance or whatever your word used there in the, your Bible. But it's used in different terms. So it's endurance, steadfastness, patience. And let steadfastness, patience, endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We see this. This is how we are to walk through every life, every example. Look at James 5.10 in your notes or on the screen. Because James is now giving them a, an example of someone who has shown patience and walked through trials and tribulation in patience. In the example that he gives us with the prophets and in particular with Job. An example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke to you in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness or the patience or the endurance or the long-suffering of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate 
and merciful. James is reminding his readers, he's reminding you and me today to remember of the steadfastness of the prophets, of the steadfastness of Job and the patience and the long endurance and everything that Job went through. And you see the purpose of what God did in Job and how the Lord was compassionate and merciful. So he will be to us. And then finally, the last thing as we get ready to close. Patience with God. Four areas that we are to grow. Patience within. Patience with other. Patience in tribulation. And then patience with God. The patience with God one over the years in my life I have learned as I've trusted in Christ more because at times... God's timetable and my timetable are not the same. I want things done quicker. I want my children, people to change faster. And so it creates a conflict with me and God. The good news is, is that I always lose. Whenever you're in conflict with God, folks, you always lose. So just resolve yourself to it. Because I may pray something like this, Lord, I know that this is a losing battle I'm fighting. <laughs> because there's something that God wants to do in me. But the good news is this. Is that in the Bible... I have found many people just like me who God had a plan and they wanted to do it their own way. They wanted to do it faster because, because why? Because we just want to help God out. That's all. Lord, I, I know we rest. I know we got this, but Lord, if just a little bit faster and, and, and I'm there with you, God, I mean, we're, we're good. We, we can do this. I mean, we have a perfect example of this, right, in Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, God promises them a child. Sarah's getting up in years. Abraham knows his promises from God. And he's sitting there thinking, okay, God, we've got issues. You, you've said that, look at the stars. That's what my children are going to look like. They're going to be numbered like the stars. But I've got a wife here who is barren and can't get pregnant. So, Lord, what are we going to do about this? And the Lord says, I want you to be patient. You know what? I'm even going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. And I'm going to change your name from Sarah to Sarai to Sarah. And because I'm going to do all this for you. So he had the promise of God, didn't he? He had the promise of God. This is what he's going to do. And God, that's your promise. And what does he do? He goes out and he sleeps with someone else and they have another baby. He's trying to help God in the promise. We saw in the life of Saul, when we looked at the life of Saul a couple months back, how many times Saul tried to help out God. You got to wait for me. Samuel says, I want you to wait for me, Saul. Don't do anything till I get there. 
Saul sees the encampment of all the people. His soldiers are beginning to come. He's getting nervous. Everybody's getting nervous. We've got a battle going on here. Samuel, where are you? Samuel, you're God's representative. Uh, you know what? I think I'll go ahead and make a sacrifice. Good intention. I'm going to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And as soon as he's done, right? What happens? Samuel shows up. Mm. Samuel shows up. And what does God do? God takes his kingdom from him. God says, you will no longer be, your house will no longer rule Israel because of your impatience and your lack of trust in that. I mean, it's incredible to see what God has done. In their impatience and in my impatience, when I'm trying to help God, I'm really not helping God at all. I'm I'm only hurting myself because I don't understand the slowness of God as some would understand slowness, Peter says, right? I don't understand what God is doing because God's patience and my patience are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And so many times where I try to come in and do something rather than just sit back and wait, How many of you know waiting is hard? It's hard. There are some of you in here who I love dearly and you have carried a sickness, a pain. You struggle along the way as you wait for God to bring healing, as you believe in the promises of healing, as you step out in faith many times for us to come and pray for you. And all the more we pray, the more it re- you resolve yourself to say, well, this must just be a cross for me to bear. God is patient. Keep coming and asking God to heal. Keep coming in faith that God would heal you. Keep coming in faith knowing and believing. Yes, we all know that you're going to be healed when you die, but I'm going to pray and let's pray and believe God that he's going to heal you here. Thank you. That was a great time to say amen. God wants to heal you. I don't know when, I don't know where. If I had my way, I would be today because I love you that much. And I hate seeing what you're going through, all the different things that you're having to wrestle with and the pain in your body and in your head and all the things that take place. It is heartbreaking. But I know at times I've got to say, God, what is it that you're doing and waiting for God to move? Let's not become impatient. Because we know what that means. But let's, let's stand on this promise of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And as the worship team comes forward, we're going to worship the Lord together. Hebrews chapter 6. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish or lazy but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. 
Let us inherit the promise. Let us, let us with the same earnestness and the full assurance of hope until the end that we may not be sluggish, but that we may be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promise, the promises of God. This is my prayer for us. And let's stand as we close with this last verse. You see, the way that we grow in the fruit of the spirit of patience, I believe, is grasping and asking God not to make us patient, but to show us how patient he is with us. Nothing is going to make me grow more than understanding what God has done and how patient he has been with me. So we're going to close with this verse out of Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.